What a way to start the show. We had to actually bring in the voice himself there and watch it. And I know all of us are going to be missing that racing. And just in case you couldn't remember exactly who Ben Edward was, you certainly can now. I'm sure there's none of you watching that had no idea. But what a welcome to the show to hear that voice going. I'm absolutely delighted. I've got to be honest and say, leading up to this show, I was mildly nervous as well because, not that he knows it, he's a mentor because he's doing what I wish I could be doing and uh, all right I'm only going into my ninth year but this chap has just done all the things I wish I could it's episode 15 and I'm going to welcome in our special guest it is Ben Edwards hi Ben hi Chris (laughs) thank you welcome to uh, Coombe TV and uh, absolute honor both from a racing perspective but as I've admitted more for me it's on the commentary side yeah lovely a bit of a master of both there and some wonderful experiences really haven't you uh, I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky. Um, you know, uh, been involved in motorsport pretty much all my life since I was about 15 years old. Uh, and as soon as I got engaged in motorsport, I just my passion was to somehow make a living out of it. Uh, I wanted to be a racing driver. I wanted to be a pro. Uh, that didn't happen. But other avenues opened up, other other opportunities opened up. And then uh, things kind of slotted into place. I mean, it's been quite a journey, but I, I, I've loved it. Well, it's interesting because I was picking up on that point that you made is that you say you've been lucky. And, you know, I was looking back, as you would expect me to do, leading into to such a show, um, looking back at your history. And, and there's been a lot of bad luck in there as well, hasn't there? Certainly in, in terms of the racing bit as you went through, but also some of your timings <laughs> with the commentary bit as you get started. And well, I, I summed up you're the, the luckiest unlucky person. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's an interesting way of putting it, but I think overall it's worked out pretty well. And you know, I've I've done so many different uh, different aspects of of the sport, whether it's through working on cars or driving them or talking about them, which I've done mostly, of course. Um, and it's been a, such a, a great mixture of stuff that I, that I've done over the years. And then to to finally get to to doing Formula One on on you know the terrestrial broadcast, which was always a huge dream, and I really thought it had gone. You know there. Uh, I thought the opportunity had gone and disappeared and, and you know, sort of accepted that um, as you do, you have to. Um, and then suddenly the opportunity uh, arose and uh, and it was such an amazing moment when it did. Uh, it's interesting. I'm going to pick you up on that one because you say about an amazing moment when you did the terrestrial broadcast of Formula One. You'd already done some of the Formula One for, for Eurosport, but the terrestrial was the big happy moment for you was it it was in a way yes because when i did it for eurosport that was really uh, surprisingly kind of early in my commentating career and and again uh, the timing was was i was quite fortunate i'd been working with eurosport a couple of years um on and off and that's really where i started doing uh, tv motor racing commentary and i was mainly doing indycar for them paris based um off tube and then um, I suddenly got a call one winter saying, you know, we're thinking of changing. At the time, they had um, a guy who I raced against, ironically, Allard Kalf, the, Dutch, the Dutchman, fantastic bloke, very good commentator. But he was commentating in English, uh, even though he's Dutch. His English is amazing. But uh, but they sort of felt, well, maybe Allard should be doing it in Dutch. And we need a, a guy who can do it in English without the accent and we can <laughs> make it a bit clearer and he can do the Dutch um and and so they said you know could i do formula one so i did two years with eurosport and it was it was incredible i was working with with john watson um and then i was hoping obviously that i'd be able to continue and carry on um but that was when the rights changed um itv got the gig i was hoping i'd be in with a chance but no didn't happen and and so um yeah it was quite a long time before i came to do formula one regularly again i i i kept an involvement through doing stuff for FOM and things. But um, yeah, it was quite a long gap between broadcasting full on again. 
did you think that that was it? The chance had gone, knowing that it is the sort of like the the pinnacle, isn't it? It's got to be surely. Did you think I've done it? It's gone. That's it. Or did, were you determined to get it back again? Yeah, no, I never gave up. Actually, I must admit, I never gave up. Uh, when that opportunity went by the wayside, um, you know, it was totally understandable. ITV uh, got the gig, and actually, of course, initially they used Murray Walker, so there was no chance of doing the commentary. I sort of hoped I'd get involved in some way in it, but I didn't. And then James Allen took over when Murray stepped down, and that was, you know, he did a good job, and and I just saw the process going, and there wasn't really. Uh, much opportunity but I never gave up um, and I'd have go and have conversations with ITV once or twice in in the early years um, and then of course once they got into that rhythm it looked like it, it wasn't going to happen and then when it switched to the BBC um, I thought oh here's an opportunity so I approached and uh, had conversations and again it didn't it didn't happen and that then I really thought oh this is it it ain't gonna mm -hmm. happen um, and then all of a sudden, um, the opportunity arose when when Sky came in and BBC and Sky were both operating. Then suddenly, of course, quite a few of the guys working with BBC went off to Sky and some doors were opened up. The open doors training in the background. Nice segue into that. Thanks for that, Ben. <laughs> you you inadvertently advertised my training company, so <laughs> I'll go with that. Um, <laughs> it's I mean, there is an awful lot of right place at right time. Um, heaven forbid who'd have thought it in motorsport there's politics um, there's who you know as well but the biggest thing I found as well I mean it's interesting to hear you working hard trying to network but I found an awful lot as well is being patient and doing what you do best and hope for the best yeah absolutely I think that's all you can do actually is 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 do the best you can um, and and you know it's hard because I'm not a great self-promoter, you know, in terms of putting myself out there. But it's important that you try and keep in touch with, you know, a few people and just so that people know that you're, you're doing what you're doing, as it were. Uh, I mean, in many ways nowadays with with social media and stuff, that's, a, you know, that is achievable in different ways. Um, so so there are ways of doing it. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. You've got to you've basically got to do what you do, do it well and hope that 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 that, that gives you opportunities, I think. Yeah, I think I also found that some people you learn are like wheelbarrows, hard to push, but easy to upset. So you <laughs> you play it cool, Trig, play it cool. Yeah. Um, very quickly on that note, sort of welcome everybody that's coming in. Some fabulous comments coming in. Tim Perry, good to see you back again. Dilly Dilly as well. One of our saloon drivers there. Uh, good evening. Hope you're all well. Uh, I, I never really asked that. Are you well, Ben? Yeah, really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, uh, no problems at all in the lockdown. I mean, I'm a bit quiet, obviously. No, no commentating to do. Um, but uh, getting a few jobs done around the house, as we all do. Uh, I've been do doing a little bit of writing. Uh, I'm doing the odd column for GP Racing, which was F1 Racing. Um, so that's been good to, to be involved in that a little bit. So there's bits and pieces to, to keep me going. Yeah. And the writing was where you started before the commentating, wasn't it? Well, a little bit. I, I didn't do a huge amount of writing. I, I've always enjoyed writing, um, but I wasn't really doing much in terms of being a published sort of journalist in, in motorsport when, when I started out. So really, the commentating kind of w w was the beginning of it in a way, going and going and uh, helping Brian Jones in the commentary box at Brands Hatch. That's, that's really where it started. I've got to be honest and say, that's a special place to start as well. I mean, what a legend, Brian Jones. Oh yeah, totally, and uh, you know, and and really instrumental in me doing what I did because because when I when I sort of started out, um, I the, the reason I sort of got involved in commentary at, at that time I was racing. I was a, an instructor at Brands Hatch as well, and really looking trying to raise sponsorship as we as we all do when we're going racing, trying to find the money um, to, to 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 go a bit further. And I just I just felt that. I quite enjoyed giving the briefings and stuff in, when, as an instructor, and um, I wanted to show that I could communicate, I suppose, that as a racing driver, um, if, if someone was going to sponsor me, yeah, I could stand up in front of people and talk, you know, because I felt that yeah. could be a useful asset to have. Um, and in a way, uh, that's why I started doing a bit of commentating, was to, was to sort of show that uh, I was a driver who, who could also talk about the sport, and that might help me find some sponsorship somewhere and that and but w when i started helping or not really helping brian but sort of assisting him a little bit with some of the series i'd been involved in so i was able to give him a bit of insight into some of the the drivers or the, the driving skills required in formula first for example um 
but he he was the one who kind of encouraged me and said look actually you know you're good at this on a microphone and and you you talk clearly and well you know think about it you, you know I'll, we could do some more of this i'll stick you out of the commentary box at westfield let's see how you get on and it sort of grew from there and now i'm even more envious that you actually got to go out in the com the old commentary box at Westfield. Yeah. Oh, I would love. I mean, it's, it's a fabulous commentary box at Brands Hatch, anyway, isn't it? But I would have loved to have been out there as well. That would have been so good. I, I find it a little sad in a way that there isn't a box there anymore. It is, yeah, it's a shame. It is. I mean, obviously, we don't go out into the countryside that often on the circuit, but when we do, I would love to have been out there. Almost like I wish the spark plug was still at Donington Park as well. Yeah, 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 that's right. Did you ever get to commentate in that? Uh, no, I never commentated in really? the spark plug. No, I never did that. No, I never. I, I'm not sure I ever commentated a race at Donington. It's one of the few tracks probably I haven't commentated at. Yeah. Wow, that's quite surprising because, yeah, I mean, there's, there's very few that I haven't commentated at now. I think uh, Thruxton and Pembrey and Mallory is about the only ones I haven't done so far. Yeah. But uh, I've commentated um, touring cars at Donington, but, but, but we're in a separate room. We're not in the commentary box for that. Of course. And you have commentated at Castle Coombe. I did. Yes, I did commentate a few times at uh, Castle Coombe. Not not many, but uh, I really enjoyed it, actually. It was, it's, I, I've always loved coming to Coombe. It's, it is one of my favourite tracks. And it's the it's the atmosphere of the place and the people who come to watch as much as anything, you know. And uh, it's real, genuine club motorsport at Coombe. And it always puts a smile on my face. I, I, it, just being there and being part of, of the whole environment there, it, there is something special to me about Castle Coombe. There's no doubt. And I'm not just saying that because we're on the show tonight. It has always, it always meant something to me, and it's not been my most local track. And now I live up in East Anglia; it's even further away. But, <laughs> but it, it is a place that uh, that I love. I've got a lot of respect for, and uh, I don't find it easy to drive. I have to say, I've never found it an easy circuit. I've always found it challenging, but I, I just love the environment. And you've raced as recently as uh, Howard's Day last Easter Monday in the Formula Fords in our Formula Four Championship as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was great fun, and and it was lovely the gather uh, gathering, you know, old Formula the Formula Ford champions and stuff who over the years who were all there that day, um, and it was yeah, again, it's just a lovely part of the whole whole atmosphere of the place. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. It was, and then what was it? Something like two thousand and fifteen as well. You were there, and you that was in both the national and our yeah, national yeah that was a busy day, yeah. Is it always been the red? For some reason, I always picture in a red Formula Ford. No, it's funny, actually. Um, I Red cars are not usually my thing, and yet I've raced a couple of times. So, um, But the red Formula Ford I've got at the moment, it's a, it's a Van Diemen RF92, and it came in red. Um, and so I, I kept it that way. Actually, I've, I've splashed out a little bit and got some new bodywork. It will reappear white when it eventually comes back out again, so it will look different. Um, and when I... The first, funnily enough, the first car I raced was red. Uh, it was a pre-74 Formula Ford. That was the first car I ever raced. And then I converted, uh, changed that to sort of blue and white. And then when I raced in Formula First, that was uh, more white and blue. And again, when I was sponsored by a company called Blue Lamp in Vauxhall Lotus, that was white and blue. Uh, rather unique looking car. Um, and then when I raced in Caterham's, that was a, a red and yellow car. So it's been a bit different over the years. But um, so, yeah, it seems to start off red and then go in a different direction <laughs> for some reason. Which is ironic because you do, you should know that that is a commentator's worst nightmare. Keep changing the colours like that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like the crash helmets in Formula One, and they're going back to it again, aren't they? They're allowing oh, yeah. the changes to the crash helmet design, and I, I I I don't enjoy those changes of crash helmet design. I I love it when a driver chooses a, a colour scheme and then sticks with it. I don't mind if they subtly change it for a special event and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, I still look back at some of the, 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 the designs from years gone by that are so iconic to certain drivers. And, I, yeah, I, that's what I like. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, you immediately think of, say, Senna's probably yeah. one of the most famous. Yeah, really. The Hill, and I'm going to say the Hill helmet because, of course, Damon had the same colour scheme on his. And, and yeah. it, just, it just resonates, doesn't it? And, 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 you know, it really is. I get it. And I, I agree with you, but I also think it, it's daft that to have a draconian rule to force yeah. it funny as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's a shame to, yeah, to be too, as you say, too heavy about it. But but I must admit, in, in Formula One, it gets confusing if they keep changing their crash helmet colours because, you, you, it, 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 you know, you really tune into the, the crash helmet when you've got two team members, you know, the, the, the helmet is, tends to be the first thing you look at. Nowadays with the halo, it's harder because it's more covered up. But but even so, quite often there's just a glimpse of colour on the crash helmet that you spot and know which of the two it is. 
going to ask as well with regards to the formula one of course your channel four with uh, with dc david coulthard who again has had some uh, good success around the castle coombe circuit as well um you, it is a mix between you know sky sort of dominating the live one for better or for worse which everybody says means they're losing you know a proportion of viewers so still people myself included flock to channel four to watch it what i'm getting at is that a proportion of that is highlights yeah. Do you still go out to the circuits or is that done in the studio? Uh, I go to quite a lot of them. Um, so most of them I go to, although um, obviously it'll change this year because they're going to be behind closed doors. So the likelihood is I won't. Um, and, and we've done a few where I've actually commentated them from London. Um, and it, it's interesting, actually, because I was quite... It, I wasn't too worried about that because I did one full season in 2002 for FOM. It was the year when when the um, first Sky coverage of Formula One occurred. That was back in 2002, and it was in a deal with with Bernie Eccleston, and it was um, a pay uh, Formula One coverage. Uh, it was a little bit ahead of its time, and, and we did a whole year. And actually, I was based all the races for that. I was based at Biggin Hill in Kent, with the base of FOM, the Formula One TV base. And so we did them all, me and John Watson were the commentators. And so I knew it can work. Um, and a I did a few last year from London, even though David was always on site. So it's amazing that, that, that the coordination worked very well, even though uh, we weren't in the same room. Um, and it's something that thankfully we've already done because we're gonna have to do stuff like that when we go on with this year, because we won't probably be allowed at, at the circuits. No, yes, it, and we will come on to the whole um, current situation because that's another subject in itself, yeah. of which you'll probably have very few answers to, like yeah, the rest probably. of us. Yeah, but yeah. it's uh, interesting to get your take on it. Um, it it's surprising, isn't it? I, I have done like uh, VLN that race around the, the, the Nordschleife, and I've covered a four-hour VLN race from a studio in London rather than yeah. going to the Nordschleife, and I thought I was going to be really disappointed, but... Because certainly on something like the Nordschleife, you're shut in and you're mainly mm. commentating from screens, it's actually not much different. However, yeah. Formula One, though, surely there's a massive buzz to be around it all. Yeah, but, you know, I've been to uh, all of the events pretty much. Um, I know what the uh, I, I know what the feeling of being there is. And and it's it's interesting. I find that when I'm in the booth, wherever it is. Uh, it, it'll be like you say you're in a kind of zone you know with the the screens in front of you the timing the the monitors um and i i get completely lost in it and it's funny when i remember when i did it for as i say from kent uh, for a year and i remember i think it was one of the early ones like australia you know and I, I i did the commentary and was totally immersed in it and totally into it and then um i came out of the commentary box and it was only just getting light outside. And it was so weird, you know, I, I, as far as I was concerned, I'd been in the beating sun of Australia. And and I was, it just felt so confusing to be freezing cold. And it's rather, it's rather a gray dawn in, in Kent as I came out of the commentary booth. So I, yeah, I, you do get absolutely immersed in it. Well, I do, uh, as you say, when you're commentating on, on the event, and it doesn't actually make much difference. I find it. You just. I find that you just got to be you know, a little bit more aware of everything that's going on. You almost work harder. I find when you're not there than when you are there. Yeah, because it's not presenting itself. All yeah. these little tidbits of facts. It's like yeah. when I train uh, uh, racing drivers, for example. One of the big things I say is is speak to the commentary team as much as you can when you're at a race circuit, because those little tidbits of information you give them. They're the bits that they latch onto to use during the course of commentary when things might not be quite so exciting, when there's yep. a safety car, a red flag or whatever it is. So if you fed us that information, we're simple folk, aren't we? It's the bit that's got in there the most recently is the bit that comes out first. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. So, yeah, it, it all helps. All those little tidbits, they all help. They do, absolutely. Uh, again, I'm not ignoring everybody. Uh, there we go. Further afield up at Alton Park, Nigel Forrest. Hi, Dorsey Boy and Ben. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about this. I think this is insulting you here, uh, Ben. Uh, Chris Savage oh, yeah. from the Catrums has said twins. He's got hair, <laughs> Chris, so uh, I wish. <laughs> One of our Orange Army. Good evening, Ben. Welcome to Coombe TV and to you, Dorsey. Uh, so, oh, we got one of our old time drivers here, Ray Ferrari, Nut Ferguson. Hi, guys. Fergie here. Good to see you uh, tuning in. Right. Let's have a look and see. We've got uh, various uh, questions. 
there we go oh, there's a, a name that we probably both know pretty well snowy peter snowy. Uh, yeah great show great. chris say hi to ben and belinda please spent oh that's very day, kind thank you spent a fun day in a safety car with ben at brands a few years yeah ago. yeah i remember that yeah yeah we did yeah yeah <laughs> that is a few years ago now though <laughs> i can imagine sadly i mean we talk about the castle coombe thing and um sorry the uh the the break into commentary from the brands hatch racing school yeah and what i sort of picked up was that even that was a degree of of fortune was it not is this true true story that you were racing uh, an instructor and you sometimes did the briefings then the commentator was taken ill at the 11th hour and they went well ben hosts the racing school which i love doing at castle coombe as well get him to do it is that true story um not quite no i the the it was more that i was um as i say i was sort of helping brian jones a little bit and offered him a bit of you know, could i help i asked him if i could help and he said yeah and um so that that that's really more kind of what started it funnily enough the first one of the first comment it's really strange but one of the first commentaries i actually ever did was uh for television ironically because I, when i raced formula first in 1987 that was the first year of formula first and um at the end of the year they did a little winter series at brands hatch but they decided that the top three finishers in the main championship were not allowed to do the winter series um and also it was going to be shown on grandstand because at that time bbc grandstand was covering some of those winter races so i i wrote to the bbc and said look i you know i've i've, I've won this championship this year the formula first championship i'm not allowed to race in it any chance that i could be the kind of expert commentator having driven these cars and whatever uh for your coverage and so the irony was <laughs> i was the so i you know the year with formula first and a couple of partial seasons in pre-74 formula ford i was the expert commentator to tiffany dell who was doing the the main the main call on the on the race um because i was the the reigning champion so it it, it was just an opportunity that, that that came up and and i went for it and that and i enjoyed it and that was sort of partly what what got me into the commentating as well it is interesting how it can be a roundabout sort of way really isn't it i mean that sounds like i i often get asked oh you know what advice have you got how did you get into it and and i say that i was very lucky i was presenting business castle coombe had an opportunity i was <coughs> lucky enough to apply for it and got it those things don't come along very often as i'm sure you are fully aware of as well um and it's taken off from there like you say grasp everything and and sort of do do your up, up, utmost with anything that comes your way and try and open more doors so i've not got much advice that i can give anyone about how you did it because i was lucky and it's i know can, sounds like you can relate to that Oh yeah, and and every, all the other commentators I talk to, um, you know, we we often get asked how how did you get? We all have a different story. I think that, you know it's very interesting whether it's uh, Crofty or Jack Nichols or um, Alex Jakes, who's now doing a bit more. You know, does a lot with FOM and well, all the commentators. You know, David Addison, all the guys, Martin Haven, so many great commentators around, and we've all seems to you know we've all had slightly different paths into it. Um, and, and there's no hard and fast rule, I'm afraid. You know, if it, if it was just easy, then I suppose that would it would be even harder though in a way because there'd be such a queue to get into it. But <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's no easy route. The thing I find that I liked uh, being able to do, I was given uh, leg ups by some key people in my early stages, um, as well as obviously Castle Coon give me the, official, the the original start. And so the late, great Howard Strawford, the late, great Rodney Gooch that took me on. Yeah. Um, the now retired uh, David George, uh, who was yeah. my first mentor, absolutely yeah. uh, first mentor because he was the voice that I grew up listening to at the circuit. Uh, Richard Davis as well that was there, uh, Andy Blackman. And they all helped me. But then it was the likes of Chris Hartley and Mark Werrell, people like that that yeah. really started giving me the leg ups in the early stage. And now I'm I'm honoured that I'm sort of like deemed as 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 working with them. And yeah. so therefore, I like to be able to do the same for other people trying to come through. And the beauty is there's enough motorsports out there normally <laughs> to be yeah. able to do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree. And uh, that, that is similar for me in some ways, you know, talking to guys and, and meeting up with people who were involved in the business and then opportunities, you know, if they if they see that you're doing a decent job, then there, there will be opportunities because they there will be things coming up that they can't do. And, and they might be asked, can you suggest somebody else? And if if they're pleased with you know, what you've been doing alongside them or they, they've listened to you, um then it then it does open doors and yeah same for me i've I, hopefully uh, i know i've offered a few opportunities when i've worked with people um when i've seen people do a good job you know so so yeah i think that's all we can do really i like doing that as well it feels good to be the the one that was the doing as after being receiving uh john creech sorry that blocks us both for a second but i'll read it out good evening ben thank you for giving up your time to do this for the fans thanks to chris and tom for setting this up i remember i first heard you commentate on champ car in 98 when he was 15 sorry that's probably upsets you ben um followed by british touring cars in uh 2002 to 2010 love the btcc commentary and now f1 not to mention odd stuff such as wrc in 2003 yeah now i've been lucky enough to do all sorts of stuff over the years um so it, yeah it's been been very enjoyable i mean that that indie car period i was involved in or champ car as it was then um was a fantastic era and that's that's kind of what i went into after eurosport lost the f1 rights and we were talking about how you know, i did a uh, bit for Eurosport on F1 for just it was only two years it was uh, 95 and 96 and then they lost the rights to to broadcast Formula One but at that time they had the rights for IndyCar racing and they they wanted to do a, a, a bit of a joint deal with ESPN International so um, ESPN International was like the kind of outside America but English voice uh, that was going elsewhere in the world um, and it made sense then to send me to the events to commentate so that my voice was then going out on Eurosport, but also on some of the international um, audiences that weren't in America. That was separately commentated because they have so many different commercial, so many commercial breaks on the oh, domestic yeah. side. You know how we, you know, if we watch it now, there's always lots of commercial breaks, lots of gaps to fill. So they wanted a, they wanted a con sort of continuous English commentary um for some of their other markets so so that worked really well so i i used to go to all the champ car events at, at the time and it was one of the great periods in champ car so 97 was the first year and it was the first year that dario franchitti went so we both kind of went at the same time um and it was a, a brilliant period you know you had alex zanardi uh phenomenal then he moved off to formula one juan pablo montoya um so it really was a, a, a brilliant time i thoroughly enjoyed it and and yeah, I loved I loved covering Champ Car in those days. I can imagine that must be an almighty buzz. I was lucky enough to see them the one time that we had them over here at uh, at Rockingham, of course. Yeah. Sadly, the week after the terrible, terrible um, incident, that I know that is is a blight on your memory as well. Yeah. Over in yeah, Germany, I was there. Yeah, that, right. Mm, yeah. In fact, um, yeah, that that was such a horrendous situation, and, and it was such a that was such a bizarre weekend because it was just after 9-11 as well. And so the whole Americans guy, all these American teams and, and guys were in Germany at a time that there was this devastation that occurred in New York. So they were they were kind of completely all like, what are we doing? Or should we be racing? And you know, all this is going on. And then Alex had his he had his accident. I mean, it was just the most bizarre weekend and yeah definitely not one to really remember but you can't help it you know to sort of surged on the memory and then of course it didn't really pick up because it was only like the following weekend wasn't it that they were at rocking yeah like, that's right and, and of course not an awful lot happened because of the spring leak up through the far end of the circuit yeah it, it was crazy really um it, it was a very very strange situation and, and rocking him you know it, it was it was fun though i must admit commentating at rocking was was good fun um but yeah, very strange time. It was. We, my dad and I, went there, and it was just so. I mean, they're just like when they get up to the wall, it's like a different level, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of our own, the two-wheel commentator Martin Bennett from Castle Coombe says, "Evening, guys." And uh, yes, Elliot, I've got my gin. You know, I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, first question then um nigel forrest says what does ben think of pay-per-view for formula one unfortunately as a fan it's a turn-off for me and lots of my friends too i totally understand that and i'm just so relieved in a way that channel four are still putting it out as highlights i'm still involved so obviously i, I you know when we do it we commentate it live and it is 
for me, in a way, it's not so different as it is for the viewer who has, ends up seeing a slightly shortened version of it. Um, it is, yeah, it's disappointing that that live, except for the British Grand Prix, is only pay-per-view in, in many ways. And yet that is, you know, it is the way of sport, isn't it, nowadays, is that the, the sports can generate a huge amount of income by going to pay-per-view for their live requirements. Um, I'm just thankful in a way that Sky and Channel 4 were able to do this deal so that so that Channel 4 is still able to put out a decent highlights package. And it is, you know, it's a decent length. They still get to see a lot. I mean, this year, in fact, it's going to be slightly longer when it happens um, than it was last year. So so in, you do get to see a, a lot of what's going on. You're not missing very much and all it gets cut out of usually are the, are the dull bits. Um, but, yeah, I totally get it. And I totally understand that, that some people... You know, just feel that they won't pay the money. But thankfully, you know, we can still enjoy it on Channel 4. No, absolutely. And of course, um, it's it's DC's company, isn't it? Whisper Films that we thank, we can be thankful for that. Yeah, he's 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 part owner of it. That's right, with Jay Humphrey. And that's right. So no, they, they've done a fantastic job. They're, you know, as a company, it's a tough time for them, obviously, at the moment, because it's a production company that does all sports and there's no sport. So it's, it's a tough time, but they'll see it through, I'm sure. No, absolutely. Something we can all relate to, to probably a lesser extent than them, but uh, totally. Uh, and Elliot said, definitely a turn off for me too. I was brought up with Sundays on BBC One, sat with my dad when Shumi was king. Great memories. Now, picking up on that is that your, was it your first year on Terrestrial was Shumi's second Benetton World Championship? Uh, on, on Eurosport, yes, that's right. On Eurosport, Eurosport, Eurosport. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, that's right. So it was his second title. Uh, with Benetton and uh, that was quite a it was a strong season for him you know he, he really kind of dominated that year but then the following year of course 96 was the, the the confrontation with Damon when Damon was in the in the Williams which was such a, a you know a strong car and um, Damon did manage to win it so that was a that was a fascinating year to commentate on no doubt yeah, I can imagine. I, I I always think back as well to and I'll be interested to hear your take on it is that many people were were slating as much as they are now, I guess, with Lewis Hamilton's domination, the, the Schumacher domination, going, oh, oh, boring. But Murray Walker always used to turn around and say, no, do you know what? I actually feel privileged that we are witnessing this incredible feat of achievement. What yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's it's good to remind us all that, you know, that when you've got someone dominating, yes, of course, we like to see a bit, a bit of variety. But in watching Schumacher at his peak, like watching Lewis at his peak, um, we are, you know, watching incredibly gifted individuals at the very top of their game. And, and, and it is a privilege to see that in many ways. And, and later on in history, you know, we'll be very happy to have been a part of that amazing period of these guys uh, dominating the sport to such an extent. On the other hand, I know we all want to see some racing. We all love to see uh, a bit more unpredictability, you know, some different winners. And that's something that Formula One is working on, obviously, the change in rules which was due to happen next year isn't going to happen now for another year but i think that will help i think that will bring the field a little closer together um and i think that it will open up opportunities i also think actually even under the current rules we could have some pretty serious racing red bull could be in a, a pretty good way i think so max verstappen a definite challenger for the title in my opinion so we'll see um but lewis has been on a, an incredible role uh, I, I guess we've, I'm sure somewhere down this list, apologies guys, and I will get to your comments and questions uh, as soon as possible, but hot off the press, of course, this week is is Vettel leaving Ferrari at the end of this year, which for all we know could actually mean we don't see him out in a Ferrari again. Hopefully that's not the case. Several things come up as questions for me there. Is that him into retirement now? If not, where? And Carlos Saints to, signs to Ferrari? Discuss. <laughs> it's really interesting, isn't it? What an interesting week it's been for a Formula One, even if there's a racing going on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Sebastian Vettel's time at Ferrari is coming to a close. We'll see him, you know, hopefully we'll see him out in a Ferrari this year at some point. Um, and then that, that will be it. Now, does he continue or not? That is obviously the big question because there are not many top seats available, are there? You know, you look at what's going on um, and really the, the only kind of potential top seat and that's with a question mark looks like it's going to be Renault because 
as you say, it looks like Carlos Sainz is, is going to go to Ferrari, but his position is probably going to be taken by Daniel Ricciardo. That's what people are thinking at the moment. McLaren, obviously, they're not a, a top, top team at the moment, but you don't, let's not forget they'll be going to Mercedes engines after this year. So you would think with the improvement that they've had already over the last year or so, um, they, they've got a chance of re-establishing themselves up there. So Vettel might have been tempted, um, but it does sound as though it's more likely to be Daniel Ricciardo. And then Renault, is that a team that can give him what he needs? Or is he just going to say, actually, guys, I've had enough. You know, I've, I'm a four-time world champion. Uh, I don't want to be scrabbling in the midfield while Renault still build their way through. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe it will be the final year we see him in F1. The biggest telltales for me is listening to some of the language where he's saying, you know, this time off has made you sort of realise your priorities. Now, I know that at Ferrari, from what you hear, you are put under incredible pressure and incredible scrutiny of everything you do. And maybe that's all he means. But you can't help but thinking the family man is ready to be a family man and stay a family man. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I can understand that. I think he, um, he he's matured quite early in life in a way you know he, everything's happened quite early you know he was very young when he was winning races and winning four world championships and then you know they they had the kids and i think he has matured and grown and maybe sees other aspects of life whereas lewis of course is still very focused very you know very much a single man who focuses totally on formula one um uh, and you do get the feeling maybe that Sebastian, his head has gone off a little bit in a different direction, um, whether he he could still bring that back and still be a front runner. I'm, you know, we know he's got the pace and the talent, but he's made a few too many mistakes, hasn't he, over the last couple of years? And he's just not quite been the guy that he was when he was at Red Bull. Um, so you do wonder if if it's not just going to be time to, to move on. And so early winner, early champion, maybe early retiree as well. Could be, could be. Or if he's got like another for ex-Ferrari driver, go on to World Rally. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I don't see it, though. I really don't no, see I it. Don't. <laughs> I don't either. Right. Um, let's have a look. Uh, oh, there we go. This is a nice comment for you, Ben. Neil Callahan says, Ben Edwards and John Watson were by far and away the best F1 commentating team. Oh, that's very nice. I spoke to Watty the other day, actually, and he had a, he had a celebration of birthday a few a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, it was great working with him, I must admit. And when when I first worked with him at Eurosport, you know, he was so helpful. He he would introduce me to everybody and um, just really easy guy to work with. And once once we're in the commentary box, he he sometimes would you know go go off on one. It would be quite hard to bring it all back. Um, but that's just the nature of Watty. You know, he 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 can sometimes sort of go off on a, a big mission. But it was a real it was a real pleasure to work with him, and and we we got a really good working relationship together. And we ended up commentating together for many years because after Eurosport, we we did it for Sky for a year. Uh, and then we did A1GP together as well. So so we, we've commentated many races over the years. Yeah, he's a guy that I would uh, would also, another person I'd love to commentate with because I see him when uh, I'm covering some of, like I've covered uh, Blancpain GT, for example, at Brands Hatch um, several years. And, and of course, he'd be there doing the TV coverage with, uh, well, it was with Jack Nichols. I can't remember who he does it with now. Um, and just a great guy and, and just, Still, he's down in the, the pit lane and amongst everyone. So I would definitely understand that. So uh, lovely comment. Thank you for that, Neil. We've got uh, a question here. Um, sometimes I have to read ahead, so bear with me, Ben, just to make sure. You right. know. <laughs> Big one. Alfie Gendel Racing. Uh, so Alfie's a youngster that's looking to get into racing. Hi, Chris and Ben. Question for Ben, please. Is there a particular circuit and or race series which you do or have enjoyed commentated on in your career so far <laughs> he says if you are forever free you're more than welcome to come and commentate on my racing in the junior american <laughs> race series but yeah so um a particular circuit and or race series that you've particularly enjoyed commentating at oh well i've been very lucky to to do all sorts over the years um I think I mentioned A1GP just now, uh, working with Watty on that, and that that was um, that was a great series to be involved in. I must admit, it was um, it, it, different to Formula One, obviously, and it never it never aspired to be quite what Formula One is because the cars were all the same, so very different. You didn't have that technical edge in Formula One and the um, advancement that you get in Formula One, but 
because the cars were the same, um, that meant the racing was pretty close and, and each car was representing a nation, um, which had its strengths and weaknesses because some some nations were always producing stronger drivers than others. But but it went to some fantastic places um, that I've never been to before. Um, we raced in Indonesia, for example, uh, and, and, and that was yeah a real experience going to some of the circuits that we went to. Um, they raced in New Zealand, places that you know really don't ever get a chance to to have formula one and yet there was this top level single seater racing going on and i must admit that was a, a really tremendous championship to be involved in yeah and, and such a unique way that you could support it the sort of team mentality into motor racing and i'm surprised it hasn't really been picked up and run with again i know it it, it worked you know it was a good method um to, to have that and, and i know a lot of people who perhaps weren't particularly into motorsport found it quite an easy way to get into it because oh i'm going to cheer for my nation you know uh, whatever this sport is i you know i want to cheer for my my country and and it worked it did really pick people into it um sadly it, the, the series didn't didn't financially survive long enough for it to be able to continue and uh, that was a great pity because it, it, there were some great races in it and it was very very enjoyable yeah yeah, I'd, I'd miss that one as well, for sure. Um, let's have a look. We've still got uh, the, the, the problem we have. Well, it's not a problem, Ben. It's just, you know, it's lovely that we have uh, everybody that's in watching it. They start having banter back and forth with each other as well, which is yeah. great to see the entertainment going on. Uh, one of the uh, the family, of course, at Castle oh, Crawford. Lovely to see you, Emma. <laughs> Evening, everyone. French red on the go. Hope all staying safe. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. Uh, Papa Pa's on as well. Good to see that. And uh, Wendy Hignall. Evening, everyone. Hope you're okay. Great to have you on, Ben. Thanks for your time. And uh, yeah, we're, we're massively appreciative of that. Um, John Creech, who made his comment uh, earlier about um, you, you, oh. you through, what is the best race you've commentated on from a TV perspective? perspective either in f1 champ cars btc oh it's so difficult i mean you know there have been so many key races over the years and so many um there's one that um i, I it's always quite fun listening back to on youtube there's uh, an indy car race michael andretti and juan pablo montoya michigan 500 and it uh, the last few laps were outrageous and my voice is going higher and higher <laughs> or, and the, as they cross the line they cross the line virtually together that that was definitely one of my favorite races um to commentate on um the year that colin turkington won his first touring car title that was that was a big big one um because it was all pretty open a bit i mean i watched i watched last year's and that was fantastic too um that was another absolute classic you know um but the, when he first won it was also a really big deal um and um to, to talk to him we because again like like we do now we were able to talk to him on the radio uh once to sort of effectively tell him he was champion it was that was a really special <laughs> moment um and in Formula One, of course, there have been some some classic races. I mean, I, I must admit that one of my favourite races came this last year, which was in Germany, which was just so chaotic with cars falling yes. off all over the place and those in that in rain and oh, just just ridiculous. Um, and also the the final race of twenty twelve, um, the one that saw Vettel um, win the championship with Alonso looked like he might win it because Vettel spun on the opening lap of the race it was in brazil and that, that that always goes down in my head as 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 one of the great races and you know so there's so much tension and drama in it yeah absolutely god it just must be amazing for that to be the pool that you can drag your favorite races from i'm very envious when you talk about <laughs> that i mean it's it's when you hear things like that i've i've got a phrase um is that as commentators we are reading the story that is being written by the drivers live in front of us. And when certain championships and battles and whatever, as good as they are, it makes our life easier. Yeah, yeah. We're no, just no, telling I, that story, aren't we? Yeah, no, I, it's, it's very interesting as you say that because as a commentator, um, a, a good race is actually very easy to commentate on. Um, and actually the skill of a commentator, I think, often comes out in a boring race. Um, yeah because that's when you need to, to keep the energy going and keep the information going too, because if there's not a lot going on, there's no overtaking going on, um, you still want to try and keep your audience interested. And I think that's that's where there's a lot of skill, you know, and, and looking back to Murray Walker, when he was uh, commentating Formula One, he was very good at um, 
just keeping the interest level up and he would sort of he would sometimes just let the let the pace drop a little bit and then suddenly pick it back up again and he had a real ability a real skill at doing that which i think sometimes is is glossed over because people love to sort of see the he would make yeah, yeah and they just remember him up there don't they yeah. Where, right and and in fairness it was a comment i was about to make a second ago is what i i i enjoy and i've learned i'd like to think uh, uh, from you is that it's it's I don't know how to say it. it's not easy to uh, it's not the word I mean but to be up there and be your your commentary is always up there and everything's going great well sometimes it's not yeah. so actually to be down here drop it down and go up and down and up and play with it like that and you're a past master at that and it's something that I've always looked to to try and make sure I've got in mind and that does sometimes include that we're creating that excitement as well no, sometimes that's right absolutely and and sometimes you need to because you Sometimes in a race is a little bit dull, but there's sometimes quite, you know, when you're, when you're really into a race and perhaps it's a long distance race and it's all a bit settled, but I think part of the fun of commentating a race like that is picking out the story and seeing it, you know, Oh, there's a gap closing. It might be for fifth place. It might not be for the lead, but Oh, hang on a minute. The, the, the guy in sixth is really motoring. He's, he's catching the guy in fifth. Let's, let's get into this, you know? Um, and I think that that can be part of the skill too, is spotting those, those identifying those opportunities when things are beginning to happen you know i've always said one of my proudest races that i think back on is uh, it was at alton park actually and it was a it was something like a 90 minute race and there was only six cars in this thing none of them matched pit stops driver changes and everything and uh it was hard work it really was hard work but i remember in the second part of the race it was suddenly calling that the car that was in second was like 20 seconds behind the leader but now they've changed over in qualifying the driver that's now in that one is this much quicker than that one yeah starting to show there that means that with two laps to go we're going to have them absolutely neck and neck this race is coming alive keep it and then you just and they're then glued to this sort of possibly it never happened they never got no. close to each other at the i end. know but that's but that's that's perfectly fair you know and it's a good it's a good logical uh, story and people can then tune into that story and see if it's actually happening for real you know and it's if it's well it doesn't but <laughs> that's the way it is well my dad was with me on that one actually he'd gone wandering off taking photos and i was down at the knickerbrook uh, uh commentary box which was a fabulous view from that commentary box um and he came back and he said i wish i watched the race you were watching you had me on the edge of my seat yeah 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 <laughs> and I went, i'm proud of that <laughs> you've done the right job then yeah good um Paul Clark from stopwatch hospitality at uh, brands hatch one of the uh, the big uh, up on the top level uh, after working for many years on TV commentary, when were you first really aware that folk were recognizing your voice in the supermarket queue and the like? It's very rare, actually. People don't don't usually, uh, especially partly because my voice is slightly different uh, when I'm speaking normally to when I'm commentating. There is a you know difference in, in my sound to a certain extent. And so, yeah, and because I'm not on camera very much, uh, a little bit more last year, but uh, so people don't recognize me. So I have had I have had it about once or twice, I think, uh, where people have heard my voice and sort of done a double take uh, in a shop. But mm -hmm. it's it's incredibly rare. It doesn't it doesn't happen very often. That's the problem with it being known for the voice, I guess, more so, isn't it? I just realized my dad's watching this show as well. And he's uh, oh, he's probably comment uh hi dad um hi ben knowing my son aspires as he does know it uh to commentate at the le mans 24-hour race it is that's my big goal i want to commentate there have you ever commentated on the 24 at le mans yeah a few times uh for eurosport back in the day and for itv as well um so yeah no it's it's a it's a fantastic event um it you know it really is a very special well, we all know it is uh, being at le mans and being a part of of it as it as it progresses over the twenty four hours, and the pace of it is so different, and the but you know it, it is a fascinating thing to to be immersed in for that for that period. I have to admit, I've not done you know the full twenty four hours ever. Um, I've, you know, I've taken my breaks, and so I know some people, some commentators, have, you know, they just keep going, and they'll they they will do pretty much the whole thing. Um, for me, it, it's more. In, I, I tend to think of it more like you know more like a racing driver i need a bit of a break and then come back into it again but it, it is it is a fantastic event i think it's that shift work that's made me realize well more commentators are needed so that's yeah. my kind of formula no, no. One goal is the le mans 24 hours so bear that in mind ben if you ever hear of an opportunity yeah absolutely i'm sure <laughs> they will come one i'm sure they will so it's uh it, uh, it is special um fabulous how many uh 
fabulous comments coming in from everybody. Uh, some of them we've covered, so I'm just going to flip past those, and I'm conscious of your time. People already get uh, being told Steve Putt's watching. He's on on Sunday, so they've asked him. He's answered. Good to see that. Uh, good one from one of our medical gurus at the circuit, Chris Mason. Ben, have you ever been in the two-seater F1 car, or do you fancy uh, – or, or, well, I'm going to add an extra bit that. Yeah. If you haven't been in it, do you fancy it, and do you fancy driving an F1 car? I've never been in the two-seater F1 car. Uh, yes, I would love the opportunity. It would be a pretty amazing thing. Uh, do I fancy driving an F1 car? I did for many, many years. Um, yeah, because, you know, when I was racing regularly and stuff, then it, obviously it was an aspiration. I, I, I once tested a Formula 3000 car back in the day down at Pembury, actually, mm -hmm. um, which was quite intriguing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that, that was as high as I got in terms of driving something of that, getting towards Formula 1, but I never, never drove an F1 car. And to be honest now no I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't feel capable of getting into a, a modern f1 car and and doing it justice to be honest um i, I i'd rather i'd rather not really i think a, a historic formula one car more more possible but <laughs> um a current f1 car i mean if 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 i had the opportunity i suppose to go and do a load of sim work and stuff and really get your head around it properly and then go and do enough training and all that but you know your neck just wouldn't last for long enough to really be able to make the most of it yes i can imagine because they do have to spend a lot of time on that don't they uh mike cotton good question this one uh when you commentate remotely do you get fuller coverage or just the broadcast content Pretty much just the broadcast content, but we do have timing screens in the booth with us as well. Um, and there's, we sometimes have an, a separate screen that might show us um, the pit lane, sort of uh, what's going on in the pit lane a little bit. So we do get a little bit of extra, uh, but it's not much different to what is actually available uh, online sometimes or some of the different views you get um, anyway through the live broadcast. So so we don't get any particular special extra. And actually, one of the things I, I kind of learned anyway um, in TV commentary is it's very important that you are focused on the main picture because that's what everybody else is watching. So if you start... Um, getting too distracted even by a timing screen, let alone a, a picture of, of something you're, that, that the audience is not seeing, you just create irritation more than anything. Okay, you can maybe just mention, oh, I think such, you know, seeing just such, such and such has happened, but let's focus. You've got to focus on what people are seeing um, and then add the stories around it. But, 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 you know, it's not much good to be watching something else and commentating <laughs> on it because people just don't know what you're talking about. Which is the same even for looking out of a window to something. Yeah. Well, isn't it? You've got to be careful. And, and yeah, I've had examples of that as well. And uh, it, it can be very off-putting, but I've got a phrase, another joke phrase uh, that winds my wife up a little bit, actually, one of many, um, that uh, I say that the joke is men can't multitask with commentating. You blooming well learn to. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, no, absolutely. You have to multitask. And the concentration, I mean, I find it, it's great. I mean, I love it. Um, and once you're in the zone, you know, especially a Formula One race where, the concentration is totally immersive i mean i'm completely lost and i'm after a after, after a race weekend you know even if it even if i haven't done the traveling i'm exhausted on the on the monday you know it's just because the build-up throughout the weekend the total focus and concentration you need to get it right and try not to make too many mistakes uh, uh, it is mentally very tiring i must admit and i love it you know but it is it, it's full on it's full on and not just the concentration is the adrenaline that you need yeah, yeah. To, be able to perform that's got to go somewhere afterwards absolutely yeah. yeah that said like me you must be missing it like mad right now yeah of course of course because you know like we all are you know that that as you say that build up of adrenaline that excitement that expectation um it's not happening is it and uh, so we're all missing it hugely um but that's the same for everybody and we've just got to wait our time yeah, absolutely we do um i'm going to ask the question because i'd imagine the answer is no idea is that do you really think we're going to get formula one races this calendar year i think we probably will i think um i think they've got some really good plans in place to get the uh, get them going behind closed doors <clears throat> i do think the, the, the main one you know the big question marks are the rules within the particular countries that they're going to with the quarantining i think that that is a complication um it might be the uh, yeah, partly in the UK because of the two-week, you know, quarantine. So mm -hmm. most of the teams who are based here then come back into the UK, then they have to be quarantined for two weeks. You know, that's that's a big challenge. So uh, 
that is a problem. We don't know how long that period will last, of course. Um, so I think we've just got to wait and see. I, but I do think that Formula One are working very hard and have come up with some good solutions for, for getting it done behind closed doors. It's then incorporating that into everything else that's going on in the world. Uh, yeah, it, uh, morally as well as physically, I think, as well, isn't it, to be fair? Absolutely. Um, right, I'm conscious I've only got five more minutes of your time, so I'm going to whip through these comments and questions. Uh, Mary Ward, good to see. Nathan Ward was due back this year, missing everyone from the circuit. Um, but uh, uh, good question from Peggy Spackman from uh, Slip and Grip um, Track Days. Over your entire career, what has been the most nerve-wracking moment? Oh, that's a good question. Um, in terms of commentating... I think, I think most nerve-wracking moments are are when you see a huge accident and and the Zanardi shunt um, that we talked about a little bit earlier in Germany. When well, of course you don't always you don't know the consequences of that accident when you're commentating on it, um, but it is nerve-wracking. It is nerve-jangling. It is you, you you see a huge incident. And then you know, the race starts to shut down, and the marshals get in. The medics are there. That is, that's tough. And and there was another race I commentated on in Champ Car Racing. Uh, it was actually the race that Greg Moore got killed, and he was he was an absolute superstar, big pal of Dario Franchitti's, um, Canadian young Canadian, hugely talented. He 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 would have gone on to be champion in Champ Cars, there's no doubt about it. Um, but he hit the wall and. It was clearly a horrible accident. The race continued because the, where the car crashed, they could actually get to it. They could actually deal with it, and the race was able to continue. But while we were commentating on the race, we learned that basically he had passed away. I mean, that was that was pretty grueling in terms of you know keeping the commentary going. Um, we, we weren't able to actually say that for sure during the race commentary, um, but we kind of knew it had happened and that that was yeah when it comes to nerve-wracking peggy i think that's probably what it was it, it, i find it's when you uh suddenly realize the enormity of your responsibility isn't it because you can't equally when it happens you can't get over dramatic because there's no. family and everybody else watching you've got to downplay it but you at the same time know that people are going did you not just see how big that was or can you update us we need to know the latest and you're like going no Hmm, absolutely we don't get that information normally anyway i mean it was it was it was a surprise in a way my co-commentator at the time he he kind of got the information through a contact of his um but yeah normally you know once once it's a big medical situation for example in formula one we don't really get to know um they they keep it very self-contained which is good i mean that that is the right way i think um helps these things yeah uh, <laughs> helps us then as well yeah. I mean, you know plausible deniability is much appreciated half the time yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh right quickly um paul clark again from stopwatch hospitality a1 gp a fantastic series many of us would love to see return just how much additional boost did the home country's car receive can you say uh i, I don't think they did actually i think it was usually pretty fair i must admit um so yeah, no, I don't think the home country necessarily got a got a big boost uh, at all. It was it was a good championship, and the cars were pretty even. It, it 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 went away a little bit when they changed the cars. When it was the original Lola Zytec, it was fabulous, and the cars were reliable and solid. And then when they built the new car and the Ferrari engine and everything, yeah, that's when it all started to go. Unfortunately, a little bit wrong. The, it just it just didn't come together as well, and that was combined with other issues that were going on financially with the, with the series. So. Sadly, that, that it wasn't at its at its best then. But um, the early the early years with the Lotus Itech, very very good. He's just stirring any Paul Clark. That's what he's doing. <laughs> uh, Chris Savage, uh, Steve Parrish was on our show the other day. Real practical joker. Is there a practical joker in the F one paddock you want to or tend to try to avoid? <laughs> uh not so much at the moment i don't think there's a bit i mean i know what steve's like i mean he's, he's a fantastic bloke and a real character a real practical joker um i'm probably quite relieved that he isn't in the fond paddock because we will be victim to him uh no at the moment i don't i wouldn't say that there's somebody you think oh you know i'm gonna get it here because uh formula one is the formula one paddock is quite a it's quite a serious environment as you can imagine you know uh and it, it's quite um yeah, it's quite a focused and and intense environment. 
and, and there you know there are people that you can meet up with and have a laugh um and you know enjoy that side of it but it is an intense place and there isn't an awful lot of space for practical joking it's probably good if there was so we maybe we should get steve Parrish to come in a, a couple of times a year <laughs> yeah just to liven it up that said i always think danny rick and uh, and lando norris uh um, yeah they seem to be a breath of fresh air for it as well. They are. No, they they are good fun, and uh, I think actually that Max Verstappen, when he was partnered with Daniel Ricciardo, learnt a huge amount about um, the attitude to take to fans and media and 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 stuff like that. He, you know, he's not the practical joker that that Danny is, but I think he learnt a lot because he was very, you know, kind of single minded and always is very single minded. But I think it helped him a lot to be his teammate. Uh, quick rapid fire because I'm sorry Ben I know I'm supposed to wrap up now um, if it's okay with you just quickly um, someone has said um, he, Paul Clark quotes some of the things that I come up with like he went into that corner so hot that he looked like a dog trying to change direction on a kitchen floor is one of my ones that cracked him up he says is there other phrases and commentators that influenced you um, not really no um, I, I think when it comes to phrases, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because sometimes it's good to have a, a something that you, you you go to, you know, um, the Brian Jones high wide and handsome uh, into paddock. And um, on the other hand, I think sometimes it can become you bit you can get a bit caught on it. So so I, I no, I don't tend to sort of follow that route of listening to particular phrases and then think adopting them or making them up. I, I tend to just go with the flow. And for anybody who's wondering, it's Ben's, well, that's our action, sorry, it's Ben's phrase, the lights out and away you go. So we're sticking with that, okay? Um, uh, have you ever marshaled? Um, I, I've I've done some martial training and stuff, but I haven't properly marshaled. But I want to, because uh, the, the British Marshals Club, um, I'm, uh, actually they asked me to be president of the, uh, the, the British Motorsport Marshals Club last year. So I am acting as that now. I'm very proud to be. I was amazed to be asked, and it was a very kind thing to do. And I and I have so much respect for the marshals. Always have done because it, it just you know they are the ones who make the, the whole thing happen and make it all work. So um, yeah, I definitely tend to do some marshalling. Uh, and taking that further, um, a name from the past, David Vass uh, has said, uh, "Hi Ben, is your wife Belinda still involved with motorsport? I remember going to an uh, interesting Observer Marshall seminar many years ago at Mary Park, which she led. I think she had had, had an official capacity with the Caterhams at the time, and you were there." That's right. Yeah, she she uh, used to be the event coordinator for all the Caterham Championships, um, and then actually, funnily enough, talking about A One GP, that was the only series we both ended up working on together um so she was event organizer for a1gp for a couple of years when i was commentating so for once we actually ended up going to the circuits together and and working not quite together because we were doing different roles but it, that was lovely um she's not so involved in motorsport nowadays um she's uh, got into teaching yoga so that's more her thing now um that's cool. well i hear yeah, I do do a bit of yoga. I find it useful actually when I'm traveling, I must admit, in terms of dealing with, um, you know, time zone differences and all sorts, just just mentally trying to keep my head together and physically getting a bit of stretching in. It really helps. Um, so, yeah, she's kind of uh, helped me out with that. And that's that's a bit more of the path that she's gone down. Love it. Well, um, we've got lots of people therefore saying thank you very much for your time, including Chris Mason from the Medical Centre. Huge thank you to Ben for his time tonight. Hope to see you at Coombe, <laughs> although not in the Medical Centre. We second that. Are we going to see you back at Coombe? At some point, yes. It probably, I, I don't know, who knows what about this year. I doubt it will happen this year because if F Long does get going, it could be quite full on. <laughs> Every um, week. <laughs> yeah. But no, at some point, I'll definitely be back um, with my Formula Ford. It's always lovely to come down to Coombe. It's a fabulous place. And uh, I really enjoy coming down there and meeting up with everybody. No, and hence everybody is saying that, that, that you know, please come back. Uh, Tim Perry, the Orange Army, says, if you want to do some uh, marshalling, come to Castle Coombe. We'll be happy to support you through the experience. And he's also gone on to say, uh, thank you for your time. Been, been lovely hearing from you tonight. Take care, stay safe, and looking forward to hearing you commentating. He wants you back on the British touring card. <laughs> that. Oh, I love the touring cars. I always love that. But, um, yeah, I don't think I'll be coming, commentating on that at the moment. Yeah, wrapped up that one probably, isn't it, to be fair? Ben, apologies that we've gone a little bit later than you said. Uh, I tried my best to. And no, that's been great. So I really enjoyed it. We could talk about so much more. And as you know, I've barely scratched the surface on your target, and I hope uh, your career, and I hope you don't mind that it sort of went 
a lot no. more on F1 involvement and things like that. Everybody's loving it. Martin Short, goodness me, Martin. Martin. Hey, Martin. Yeah, Formula <laughs> First misses you. There you go. <laughs> Great to see you, Martin. No, lovely. And uh, yeah, top bloke. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I'm chuffed that he's watching, I must be honest. So I hope you have all really hello to Martin as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. So much appreciated. If you do come as well, please come and join me up in the commentary box. Yeah, we'll hopefully, do. Hopefully at some point we'll get the chance to work away, uh, work together somewhere, somehow. That'd be great. Uh, there's a song there, isn't there? But uh, we'll yeah. leave that go. But, Ben, to yourself and Belinda, stay safe. And we look forward to hearing your voice back on the Formula One. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everybody. Cheers for now. All the best. Wow. Well, there you go. And uh, thank you very much to, to Ben Edwards there. And clearly, from the look of all of you, the uh, uh, loving it. Martin Short saying that you missed this. Don't panic. You'll uh, you'll get money much more from him. Um, thank you for everybody making the comments. I agree. Ben was uh, fabulous. We've exhausted him. I can see him in the bottom. He's exhausted now. <laughs> <laughs> but we will be back. We're going to be back on Sunday. And I saw that he'd already been uh, telling you that he's going to be there. Steve Putt, Putty's going to be on this Sunday. Uh, Martin Short's asking, how do you watch it from the beginning? As soon as we finish this, Martin, it will be on there as a recorded. And you go to Fa uh, Castle Coombe Circuit's Facebook page and all shows are there uh, recorded. So as soon as we finish, it will be up there. You'll be able to watch it back, my friend. Uh, so Steve Putt on Sunday, um, we're just determining who's going to be next Wednesday. Then we're not going to do one on the following Sunday. We're looking to do a mammoth show on the Monday that's going to involve a whole lot of you that are going to be coming onto this show. That's the plan here. It's going to be like it's a race day. And I, what I'm being told is that's even from as early as when you Orange Army sign on, goodness me, to when race control sign off at the end of the day. So it's going to be a big day, a lot of fun. Try to, uh, you know, raise some money from charity and uh, and and sort of replicate a, some fun of a, of a race day for you um and we'll catch up we'll keep you informed stay safe everybody we'll see you very soon thank you very much and good evening